Good morning, church. We're glad that you're here with us uh, in your in your homes. Um, here on Easter Sunday. This is a weird Easter Sunday not to have everybody here, but man, it is a glorious day, a day that, you know, when I reflect back, uh, the, the, the morning that Jesus rose from the dead, there wasn't a big gathering. They were all in their homes. They were scared. They were, they were huddled um, until, the, until the knock at the door came and, and, uh, and they found out that Christ had risen from the dead. So what a glorious day. He is risen. And hopefully the response there at home was, he is risen indeed. All right, let's, we're going we're gonna to warm you up this morning. We're going to sing. Uh, let's start with the song, Christ Arose.
Christ the Lord is risen today. That is, a, that is a, uh, the truth that we are celebrating today, uh, and it is a glorious thing to celebrate. Um, you know, when I, when I think back to, to the resurrection, I think a lot of us in our churches and in the world today um, really know and understand that, um, that the resurrection is a fact. I think some do doubt that. But, um, you know, there's plenty of proof out there that the resurrection did happen. Um, so we know that it happened. But... Um, I think a lot of people stop right there with just the knowledge and it never gets to the heart. They know the resurrection, but they don't know the power of the resurrection. Because think about it, the power of the resurrection is what raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And it is what is, is, is what we desire to have. Paul tells us in Philippians 3, if I can read for a minute, verse 8 says, Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And then later on, he goes on to say that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. So um, what Paul is saying there, that all the things that he has, all the things that he, he has acclaimed or gained in his life, he counts those as rubbish. They don't matter at all. Um, you know, a month ago, we had a tornado hit my, my community, um, and I saw everybody's things become rubbish. And I hate to refer it to that way, because uh, it was valuable things to the people, but when you see it picked up with a claw and put and taken thrown away, it's all rubbish. The only thing that matters is Jesus Christ and what we do with him and what we believe about his resurrection. To know that it wasn't just an event that happened, but it is the power of the resurrection that happened then that can change our lives so that we can know that power of resurrection too. So this morning, as we sing this last song um, together, it's the song glorious that we've been working on to, to get you guys to learn, to know that just talks about the life of Christ. Just reflect on him this morning and the power of his resurrection. Thank you. 
Lord Jesus, you are glorious. And we thank you, Lord, that we can come together on Easter Sunday, Lord, in our different homes, in our different different locations. Uh, Lord, we can come to you and, and unite our hearts in worship. And God, we sing the same songs, whether we're verbally singing them out loud or singing them in our hearts, Lord, we can agree with the message that you are a glorious God, that you created this world, but you subjected yourself to this world uh, and became obedient to it, even to the death on the cross. Uh, and rose again after three days. Lord, what a glorious time it is to celebrate that today. Uh, and God, we just want to come to you this morning and, and, and de- declare that you're glorious, but, but Lord, to know that you are worthy. Uh, and Lord, as we're getting ready to hear a, a, a selection from the choir from the choir from previous weeks, uh, Lord, about you being worthy, God, I pray that we would continue to focus and, and, and reflect on who you are. Uh, and Lord Jesus, that you are our, our worthy God. So we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Does the Father truly love us? Does the Spirit move among us? 
Good morning, church. Happy Easter. Wow, what a day. I never thought in all of my life we'd share Easter apart. Um... Just never even fathomed that, sitting there listening to the choir sing just now. Um, well, I miss sometimes. I do. I, I really miss um, 
the church coming together. I recognize our empty pews today, very much so in my heart. But I also recognize that with great joy there's an empty tomb. And for that, I celebrate. But it is the most difficult day to imagine coming together with a risen Savior and not being together as the church. So I, I don't apologize for the emotion. I wish, uh, I wish I could have held it together a little longer, but uh, I said, I can make it all the way through this without getting emotional. But I tell you, God gave us emotion, and uh, I clearly recognize that. And as I stand before you today, I just miss the church coming together. I really, really miss the body. Um, I, I recognize church is not this building. Church is you. Uh, church is you in your home. Uh, churches as you wherever you are in this world but it is so exciting to come together as a church and celebrate a risen savior i mean we've got such reason to celebrate as i've thought this week and, and last week and the week before and just thought about where we are in our in our nation in our in our current lives I, i'm i'm beginning to really recognize and you would say Scott I thought you had this all the time I'm I'm really beginning to recognize that church is not just an activity we calendar week by week and it's not just something else we add to our busy lives but worship before our God is a privilege and that privilege is not afforded to us at this time however I know that there will be a day we'll come back together and I pray that when we come back together that we have that longing within us to come together and worship the Savior together and and I pray that your life is just forming towards that now recognizing the great privilege it is to come together and worship a risen Savior I believe in the hearts of the Israelite people they overlooked the opportunity they had to worship. I believe when the people were in Jerusalem with Jesus, they overlooked the opportunity they had to worship. Folks, I would hope that in our lives we do not overlook the opportunity we have to worship. So um, I'd invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 8. This week we read through the book of 1 Samuel, and you know, you say, well, it's Easter. Let's take a pause from reading through the Bible and let's, let's look at the Easter resurrection, that typical Easter message. And we'll get there, but I want to get there from 1 Samuel chapter 8 this morning. I want to look at the pinnacle of the Christian faith, the resurrected Christ. I want to I get there through understanding three things. I want us to understand that the people of God... They rejected God. The, the people that God chose, they rejected him with their lives. And, and not only in the days of Israel did they reject God, but we'll see in the New Testament that New Testament people rejected God in the flesh as Jesus came to this earth. They rejected him. They turned from him, and they actually slayed him on a cross, buried him, and left him for dead. But that did not last. Jesus was resurrected gloriously, arose from the tomb, and he lives today. And that's why we celebrate. That's why we have the great hope we have. And I want to talk about that this morning. So if you've turned with me to 1 Samuel chapter 8, I'll invite you to stand with me and let's read God's word together, beginning in verse 4. Verse 4. 
Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. And they said to him, Behold, you have grown old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint a king for us to judge us like all the nations. But the thing was displeasing in the sight of Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. The Lord said to Samuel, Listen to the voice of the people in regard to all they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. Like all the deeds which they have done since the day that I brought them up from Egypt, even to this day, in that they have forsaken me and served other gods. So they are doing to you also. Now then, listen to their voice. However, you shall solemnly warn them and tell them of the procedure of the king who will reign over them. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you, God, that you are a pursuing God. You pursue us as people. God, you didn't give up on them. You don't give up on us. You, you continue to pursue. Lord, though we disappoint, we, we despise you at times with our life. Lord, you continue to pursue us. God, let the pursuit be seen in our life today. God, let us not overlook the fact that you rose victoriously over death and over the sin that we placed on you by our lives, Father. You gained victory for us, and you have offered us eternal life. Let us look to you as our risen Savior. Let us not reject you today, but Lord, let us run to you today. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Wow, what a what an awesome perspective we gained from reading the Old Testament and, and looking at the lives of the Israelite nation. The people of Israel asked for a king. Now, God had chosen to be their king. He created everything. We started out this conversation early this year looking at the creation of God, and we, we recognize God as the supreme creator i mean i mean spectacular creator he he created everything spectacularly everything that we see and the things that we don't see the things we can't even understand god created those and he is the supreme ruler over all things the sovereign judge and the savior and redeemer of our lives so we we saw those things as we look through the book of genesis and we see today that god chose for himself a group of people the world had gone its own way. They had, they had given up on God being their leader. They looked away. They lived their own lives. But God said, I'm going to raise up a people, and I'm going to call them Israel. I'm going to raise this group of people up, and I'm going to make them my own possession. A kingdom of priests. We see that in Exodus 19, verse 5 and 6. He's going to make them a kingdom of priests. And that kingdom of priests will be a people for my own possession. They will go out into this world and they will be seen as victorious over all those that come against them. And people recognize that this smallest group of people have a large God and who can take care of them and provide for them and make a difference in their life. And God led out being their king and doing a work for them that only he could do and, and making a magnificent difference in their life. And they failed time and time again to recognize him as the king that he truly is. So we see that we've gotten to a place where God being king had 
chosen this people and he was living and, and he was serving them as their king, they came to a place, though he had established boundaries for them out of his great love and protection for them, desiring to keep them from harm and hurt, God loved them and brought them to himself, but they rejected him. Time and time and time again, we see that they rejected God. This wasn't something that just happened once. It happened over and over again. And we see in this text today that Samuel was, was there and, and, and they were, his sons were wicked and, and they didn't want them, uh, the sons to rise and lead. So the people said, give us a king like all the nations around us. In other words, God had warned them, said, when you enter this promised land that I'm going to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey, a land that's going to have great things. You're going to eat from vineyards you didn't plant. You're going to live in homes you didn't build. You're going to experience the fruit of a land that I'm going to give you, the best of everything you could have. I'm going to give it to you. And when you're there, don't forget me. Don't forget that I'm the Lord your God. I'm the one who brought you out. I'm the one who has carried you through all this. I'm the one that's proven mighty and strong. You you remain faithful to me. And do not serve the gods of the land around you. But we see that the people of Israel rejected God as king. And they chose for themselves, out of the desire of their heart, instead of having God as king, they wanted an earthly king just like everybody else. They wanted to be like the world around them. And we see that the pinnacle of their falling away from God being king in their life was presented to us in Judges 21-25, where it says in that passage, the last verse of the book of Judges, in that day there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And oh, how that compares to the way many live in this world today. Everyone does what is right in his own eyes. Samuel told them what a king would be like. Samuel said to them, if, you, if you'll notice, uh, God told him, said, you, you, you tell them what it would be like for a king to reign over them, a king that's not me. So if we look at verse 10 in this text, it says, So Samuel spoke all the words of the Lord to the people who had asked, him, uh, asked of him a king. He said, This will be the procedure of the king who will reign over you. He will take... Now I want you to pick up on that word. I'm going to say that seven times here. He will take... Okay, he will take your sons and place them for himself in his chariots and among his horsemen, and they will run before his chariots. He will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and of fifties and some to do his plowing and reaping his harvest and to make his weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will also take of your daughters for perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your field and the vineyard and your olive groves and give them to, your, to his servants. He will take a tenth of your seed and of your vineyard and give to his officers and to his servants. He will also take your male servants and your female servants and the best, your best young men and your donkeys and use them for his work. He will take a tenth of your flocks and your, you yourselves will become his servants. Then you will cry out in that day, 
of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves. But the Lord will not answer you in that day. Nevertheless, the people refused to listen to the voice of Samuel. And they said, no, but there shall be a king over us that we may also be like all the nations, that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. i got to pause right there. You've got to remember that God had gone before them. God had fought their battles for them. And they're rejecting God, saying, we want a king like the world around us. We want to, we want to look like the world around us. We want to live like the world around us. We want a king in this world. A king that'll take and take and take and take. And God said, you know, I'm, I'm not a taker. I'm a giver. The greatest giver ever known to mankind. The greatest giver of all. The one that consistently gives good. He says in his scripture, every good gift comes from the Father above. God is a good giver. God is not a taker. I've talked to people in my life that said, you know, I, I, I get it. I, I could live for Jesus. I could give my life to God. But I'll tell you, I'm afraid I'd lose what I've got. I, I would lose my position. I'd lose my, my how I work and the way I've lived. I'd lose. I'd have to lose. lose. They, they think about the losses in life instead of what they gain. I can tell you this, and you know if you're a believer in Christ, if you live for Jesus, you don't lose it all. You gain it all. So uh, that, that's the reality that, that God is a giver, a constant giver, and not a taker. That the king of this world, the, the t- kings of this world are takers, but God is a good giver. And they did not want that. They wanted a king. Regardless of the, the consequences, they still desired a king to be over them. And Samuel is told by God, give them what they asked for. So they got Saul. King Saul was their king. And, and the name means asked for, asked for. So that's what they got. They got what they asked for. They got King Saul. And, and they got what they asked for time and time and time again. See, this, this continued to be a repetitive cycle. They had 42 kings in the land. Only nine of them, beginning with David, served the Lord. As Scripture reveals to us, 42 kings they got. They got what they asked for. The people repeatedly cry out to God to redeem them from the mess that they're in. They had their chance to have God as their king eternally, but they wanted something earthly, and it did not end in this time. I want you to flip with me in your Bibles to the book of John. You know, we're going to rush into, from the Old Testament perspective, we see all of the The history of Israel, the history of God's people. We see how they became God's people, how they rejected God, how they they had messes in their life, but they cried out to God and He redeemed them and He redeemed them and He redeemed them and He redeemed them. He consistently loved them and redeemed them. And it is striking if we look at how God's redemptive love works out through the Old Testament. We we can say in, in a heart of judgment, we can say, you know, God should have just been done with that group. God should have just been done with them. But the loving God that created this universe loved them deeply. And he was there for them when they cried out. We see that he loved this earth so much. 
that he came to this earth. And he did for this earth what this earth could not do for themselves. No earthly king could do for them. He took our sin. He took our shame. He took our sorrows. And he bore them on a cross at Calvary. And he allowed the hands which he created to kill him. He came as the holy, spotless Lamb of God. God, fully God and fully man in the flesh. He loved us that much. And we see that though he loved mankind, he, he displayed himself before mankind. He, we, we could go through uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and see how Jesus came on the scene, how he, he came as a baby humbly in a, in a, in a, uh, a, a, a basket, not a basket, a, uh, a wooden trough in a, in a stable. I couldn't say it. I'm thinking about the tomb, but he came in a wooden trough in a stable and, and he lived there and, and, and with his mom and dad for those few days in Bethlehem and, and what a humble beginning, but what a glorious end as he rose from that the spotless, sinless Son of God who completely lived for people, miraculously lived before the people. And we get to John chapter 18. I want you to read verse 37 with me. It says there, Therefore Pilate said to him, speaking to Jesus, So, you are the king? Jesus answered, you say correctly, I am a king. For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no guilt in him. But you have a custom that I release someone for you at the Passover. Do you wish that I release for you the king, the king of the Jews? So they cried out again, saying, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. The religious crowd had the opportunity of a lifetime. They had the opportunity to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords in the flesh, face to face, and really come under his authority. Instead, they chose to destroy him. They did not see the value in King Jesus. They didn't, they didn't see the importance of serving him. They didn't want to serve him. They wanted to serve like the rest of the world served. They wanted a, an earthly king. They said that Caesar was their king, and they said that if you're going to release somebody, release a common criminal, not Jesus. Pilate realized that Christ was the king of the Jews. We see that. He says he found no guilt in him, and, and Pilate was just following the customs to release someone, but they chose, again, something worldly instead of something godly. I want you to look at John chapter 19, the next chapter over, verse 15. It says, so they cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, we have no king but Caesar. Wow. 
In the Old Testament, the people rejected the king. God was king of the Israelite nation, and they rejected God. And he gave them what they asked for. In the New Testament, they rejected King Jesus. And God gave them what they asked for. They could not destroy him, though. They could not dethrone him. King Jesus is king eternal. The king that came to this earth, died on a cross at Calvary, went to a tomb and was buried for three days, dead three days with a guarded stone in front of that tomb by the best of the best, but that could not hold King Jesus in the tomb. Undisputedly, we have evidence that he rolled that stone away and he arose to live eternal. We see that. We, you say, well, how do you see that? I want to show you that. I, I want to say, though, we've got to figure in our heart. We've got to look deep within us and say, what are we really asking for today? Are we asking for Jesus to be our king? Are we asking for God to rule and reign in our life? We know he died on a cross. We know he was buried in a tomb. We know he, he raised on the third day. We know he lives today. But the question really comes to my heart and your heart. Is he king? And are we surrendered to him? Scripture clearly speaks of the eyewitness testimony we find in here. I want to read to you Acts chapter 1, verse 3. It says, To these he also presented himself alive. Did you get that? To these, those who were around him, he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Jesus Christ physically, literally, bodily stood before the people after his crucifixion on a cross, after three days in the tomb, after the stone was rolled away, he presented himself to them with convincing proofs for 40 days. This wasn't something that was a, a dream in a group of people's mind. This was a continual for 40 days, an encounter with a living king, King Jesus. Wow, that is, that is excellent news. That is, that is substantial proof we have in the scriptures that are written before us. But it goes on and tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, I mean chapter 15, verse 6, it says this. After he had appeared to more than 500 brethren. Wow. Not one or two people witnessed King Jesus alive. After he had presented himself to 500 eyewitnesses. I'm telling you, any court case in America or around the world would be sealed with a few eyewitnesses. But with 500 eyewitnesses to the king risen, we see that it says there, after he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now. So at the writing of this text, most of them remain. But some have fallen asleep or died. So some people had died, but most of the 500 were alive when 1 Corinthians was written. So we've got credible eyewitness testimony in the lifetime written of eyewitnesses. And we see that so clearly in the Word. And, and if that were not enough proof 
All we have to do is do a, do a study, an extra biblical study of the life of the 11 apostles that lived. Not Judas, he went and hung himself, but the rest of the apostles who lived. If we look at their life, we see that they lived their life out and they never denied Christ. They never turned from him being Lord and Master. They saw him. I'll never forget reading it. The first time I read John chapter 21, and I saw where, here's John. He's he's like, what's he going to do? I mean, Peter, what's he going to do? Peter's going to go back to what he's always known. Peter says, hey, boys, this thing's over with. Jesus is dead. Let's go fishing. Peter went fishing. And, and, And as he was fishing, he met Jesus. He saw Jesus on the shore. What did he do? He jumped out of that boat and went to the land. Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Three times he asked him that. Do you love me? Let me tell you, Peter never had to question again if Jesus was alive. If Jesus was the risen Savior. Peter lived his life out for Jesus. The other apostles lived their life out for Jesus. And they did incredible works for the name of Jesus. And I'm telling you, if you get 11 people together who believe a theory and the theory comes to end, they'll tell you, boy, I was foolish for that. They wouldn't die, many of them, because of their faith. They would have given up somewhere along the way. They said, well, that was just a hoax. I, I really didn't. I really didn't believe it all along. I, I, I messed up. They, they would. They would recant. These guys lived to their death. Went to their grave. Jesus is King. And they spread that message around the known world. So we've got before us. We've got a whole nation. Years and years and years of people who were loved by God given the very best by God, who rejected God and said, I'd I'd rather have the things of this world. And then we go to the New Testament and God comes to this earth in the flesh and says, I love you and I'm here for you. I'm here to redeem you. I'm here to do what I can do, only I can do for you, for you to have eternal life. And we reject him. They rejected him and wanted a criminal and chose Caesar as king over Jesus. Now, we have the witness of God before Israel. We have the witness of Jesus before Jerusalem. And today, we have the witness of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus said, I will not abandon you. I will not leave you alone. I will send into your life the Holy Spirit as a comforter and a guide. And we today determine whether we reject the inner working of the Holy Spirit in our life. Or if we if we follow and surrender our life to God. It's our choice. We either reject God or we live for God. I don't have to be convinced. I've lived my life now, 17 years, living for Jesus. I am convinced. And you don't have to live on my personal testimony. There's testimony of 66 books here. There's other people who have have credible evidence of God's work in their life. But there is proof of God working in the lives of people today. So I I just got to ask you, what are you asking for? Are you asking for God to be the Lord of your life? Or are you asking for the things of this world? 
so many in that day asked for the things of this world. I hope in this time of separation from the church, I, I'll tell you, it breaks my heart. It broke my heart when I walked up here. It's, it's, it's inconceivable for me to have ever, I never fathomed that we would have Easter Sunday morning and the pews be empty. I just, that never, well, it was never a thought that crossed my mind. I, I've, I never thought that we, we wouldn't have around the community sunrise services and, and people gathering to celebrate the resurrected Christ. I never thought of that. But I, I just believe that in this time, it's an eye-opening experience for us to recognize the privilege we have to worship, the privilege we have to have a relationship with God, the, the, how things of this world are not that valuable. I hope we've broken the strides of life enough in the last couple of weeks to recognize the things we've been just running so hard after are really not that valuable. Family's valuable. Relationship with God is the most valuable. Gathering together as a church is valuable. But those, those, those are the things. About Life is very fragile. Th- things can change in a moment. People can die. I could die. And eternity hangs in the balance. So on this Easter Sunday morning, I just want to say this. It doesn't matter if you're on the roll of every church between here and Kalamazoo, Michigan. It doesn't matter if you attend Sunday school. It doesn't matter if, if you attend church normally, can't now, but normally would. It, it, these things, don't, they matter in a sense of, of being together and growing in our relationship with God. But that's not what saves you. That's not the check mark you need in your life. What you need in your life is a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus. And if you have that personal, intimate relationship with Jesus where he is king, you have surrendered your life to him. It's the Luke 9, verse 23 through 24, where it says, If anyone, Jesus says, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. It says there in verse 24, if a person wishes to save his life, he'll lose it. That that should wake us up. If a person wishes to save his own life, if you're working for your own life, you're going to lose everything you've got. But a person who loses his life for my sake is the one who will find it. So when we lose it, we gain. But when we try to gain, we lose. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John chapter 14, verse 6. I mean, yeah, John 14, 6. So when we we see that in our life and we, we... rationalize all that we process all that we we come to the recognition that we can either reject king jesus and live for this world or we can surrender to jesus and live for him and i just want to invite you on easter sunday morning as we are gathered in our homes and 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 our hearts are gathered yes and we're distanced right now yes but i'll i'll tell you god is just one breath away all we have to do is say, Lord, I've lived my life for this world. I've had many kings in my life, but I need you as King Jesus in my life. I want you to be the king of my life. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I don't want to reject you any longer. I don't want to be like these in the Old Testament, these in the New Testament. I don't want to live like the world or for this world, which is passing away. I want to live for you. And today on Easter, Lord, you resurrected. I get it, and I want to give my life to you. I want to live for you. Going forward, I want to live with you as my king. And the the best news of all is that Jesus is willing to allow you 
to give your life to him and he'll come in and make a difference in your life. Romans tells us all that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And all that are saved should desire King Jesus to be more and more Lord in their life every day. It should be a desire in my heart, a desire in your heart to grow closer in intimacy with God and to consistently, consistently kill the gods of this world in our own life and live for King Jesus. I mean, we've, got to, we've got to dive ourselves daily, deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow him. So I just want to invite you on Easter Sunday morning to make sure that you're not rejecting Jesus. You're not rejecting God, the Father of this universe. You're not rejecting the Holy Spirit and the work that he wants to do in your life right now. And I just want to invite you into a personal relationship with him. If you're in that relationship now, you say, I've got a relationship with Jesus. I truly do. No doubt I've got a relationship with him. But, God, I, I need to get some things right in my life. I want you to just talk to God right now. He's listening. He loves you. He's ready to talk to you right now. We see the pursuit of God throughout all the scriptures. And we see the pursuit of God even today in your life and mine. So just ask him. Draw closer to him. Scripture tells us in James chapter 4, if we draw close to him, he'll draw close to us. So we need to do that. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the privilege of worship. Lord, it's, it's different this year. It really is. It's, it's different than anything we've ever fathomed. But God, we, we know that you're alive. We know that you're well. And that you reign in heaven. You are king. And Lord, there's no king like you. Thank you, Lord, for being a, a living king that wants to live with us and wants us to live with you eternal. Lord, I pray that there'll be decisions made in hearts today in homes that will change their destiny for eternity. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. And we're going to have a time of invitation this morning. And during this invitation, we're going to sing a song. And it's, it's for you. And it's a time for you to pray and seek the face of God. Make the decisions you need to make right now. I'm going to turn it over to Greg. He's going to lead us. And I'll be back in a moment with some closing comments.
I'm grateful for this praise team coming together every week and, and leading and worship with us. And I just want to invite you to continue in the days ahead to, to join us and invite friends and family members to join in on, on media with us. I, I pray you're continuing to sit around uh, as a family as you can and, uh, and enjoy this time together as we worship. It is difficult days, different days. I'll tell you one of the things that will really help the ministerial staff of this church, your pastors, greatly is if if you've made some decisions in the last week or two or three or even today, if you would email us, call us, uh, our church number is 931-526-7108. There's someone that's at the office during our time of live presentation all the way till lunch to to hear or to reach out you can reach out to them they can talk with you but we would love to know of decisions you've made if it's just a a further walk with God a a closer walk with God or if it's salvation that you've come in uh, to a place where you've given Jesus your heart and you've changed your life has changed we'd love to know that we really would it would be a great encouragement to us and uh, so we, we just put that out there before you, and I uh, look forward to being back with you here very soon. We're continuing to pray for the coronavirus and for the curve to turn, and, and actually just, I don't want to get back to the way things were. I hope all of us have, have set some things aside. We won't pick back up. I hope we won't be like the Israelites who, as soon as things got better, they forgot about where they were, and they went right back to their old ways. I hope we'll go down a new path when we lead out of these days And I hope that path includes a much closer walk with God and a greater understanding of the privilege that we have to worship. I want to encourage you, and I want to pray for you, and then we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you again for this day. Thank you for those that are watching at home and who are joined together and their hearts are are joined with the ministries of this church. God, I pray that you would meet their needs, touch them in a very special way. These are most difficult times, not just for pastors preaching to empty pews, but God, for those that are going through difficulties in life right now, job loss or or being laid off and uncertain finances, those that are just struggling with sickness and and not only coronavirus, but other sicknesses that, that we know are in the body of Christ right now. So, God, I just lift up all of these. I ask you, God, to be with them. I pray, Father, this is a time of, of strengthening marriages, strengthening families. I pray that we are walking closer to you, seeking you more than ever before. And, Lord, I pray that we'll continue the course to read your word chronologically this year. May we be encouraged daily as we're in your word and walking closer to you. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you, God, for Uh, being willing to call to us, to redeem us, to send your son to die on a cross at Calvary, raising your son from the dead. Lord, thank you for the Holy Spirit, which is uh, here to comfort, to guide us, uh, to, to journey through life with us and draw us closer to you. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you encourage every heart to draw closer to you every day. We love you, Father. We thank you for your love for us. Lord, we miss the body being together. We pray, God, that in near times, just in the near future, 
we can join together again and worship you as the body of Christ. Until that, I pray, God, that you protect us, lead us, and provide for us as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Happy Easter. Shout.